0: Hello everybody, my name is Dustin Pischel and today's guest is Bill Grundfest. Bill is a television writer and producer. Bill has been nominated for an Emmy Award three whole times and Bill has won a Golden Globe Award. Bill is also the founder of the world famous comedy seller. Bill has written for the 53rd and 61st Primetime Emmy Awards, Grammys, Academy Awards, and People's Choice Awards. Bill is also the co-producer, supervising producer, and story editor of the hit TV show, Mad About You. Bill has written for many other shows, for many other amazing shows and movies. Please welcome my great friend, the amazing Bill Grundfest.
1: Oh my goodness. Oh, Dustin, I've never had... Mm-hmm. a better introduction in my whole thank life thank you and and right now just to celebrate apparently the people next door have decided to do a major amount of construction as uh, we talk yeah that... so if the audio disturbs you i will carry you and everyone watching into the house where the audio won't disturb anyone so you tell me if it's disturbing you
0: okay so um actually my young neighbors um last well Just a little bit ago, like a month. Like, they were doing a bunch of, like, gardening. I don't know why it caused so much noise. Like, they were adding, like, cutting trees down, adding stuff. Like, it was just insane. They were, like, redoing everything, like, outside. And uh, it caused a bunch of noise.
1: Okay, so you'll let me know. Is this troubling you, this Um, guy with the X saw, with the chainsaw? um, I don't know if he's... Chopping down trees, or or he's a horror movie, or whatever is going on.
0: Um, the person, I mean, it's not that bad, but, but it's not, like, something I would prefer.
1: How about if I take you inside the house? Okay. Let's do that. Come with me, won't you? This is, by <laughs> the way, this is, this is the view from the house.
0: By Whoa. the way,
1: it's a, nice, it's a nice canyon.
0: Yeah. And...
1: And uh, we have all kinds of animals here, so...
0: Is that got, in California? It
1: is. It yeah. is California. It's uh, in uh, Bel Air, in the Los Angeles uh, area, and... Uh, Whoa. Uh,
0: Bel Air is... Uh, Bel Air is really expensive. Bel Air? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, Dustin, I've, I've been lucky.
0: You well, know? you worked hard, to, like all the like the stuff you've done like once you work so hard and like well also not just working hard working smartly like you read books on the subject and you also gain experience then that's really when you get really good at it
1: dustin how did you get so wise so young
0: um uh, my parents really yeah
1: your parents just imbued you because i'm a parent <laughs> I've got two boys. One is almost 16, one is 18. Cool. You're saying that your parents were able to load wisdom into you.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's sort of like a mixture. Like, it all depends, like, the household I feel like you grow up in. Like, because my parents, they both work really hard. So they sort of taught me to, like, work hard as well. Like, it's sort of something that's like been a long time in my family just like working hard like my dad um um he owns a business with his brother and his grandfather owned a business so basically well they both started their own businesses so I guess they really like tried to engrave to me to work hard by the way I'm in my kid's office I'm not in my office because
1: it's the closest one to where I was in the back. Yeah. If you want to see the bearded dragon, do you want to see the bearded dragon? Sure. Okay, we got so many animals here. it. Here, here's the bearded dragon. Tell me if you can see him.
0: Oh, I can see it.
1: Yeah, there he is. He's, wow. uh, he's so old. He must be nine years old by now. Yeah,
0: do you have a snake? Do we have what?
1: A snake? No, no, okay, we, good. Have, uh, we have a couple of dogs, we have... Um, Uh, Two cockatiels uh, that are 20 years old now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a rabbit. We've got a chicken. Uh, They're all old. They're all old. But let me get back to you for a second, Dustin. Because I'm not going to say nice things because of your age. I'm Mm going to say nice things because of your actions. Okay. Uh, You're uh, a terrific example to anybody who wants to accomplish anything Mm -hmm. because... Here you are, forget how old you are, Mm -hmm. you found a way to get to a guy like me, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily easy, Yeah. but you found a way to do it, and you engaged me in a way that I responded, Mm -hmm. and then you responded in a way that created this connection Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And this is really the key. To any success mm-hmm. you've got to put your neck out there a little bit mm-hmm. and be willing to hear the word no yeah but if you don't ask the answer is definitely mm-hmm. no yeah if you do ask the possibility of getting yeah. a yes goes up mm-hmm. you know this I'm saying this for the yeah. person who's watching so uh, you are uh, a terrific role model for anybody who wants to do anything if you're not willing to reach out to the mm-hmm. people who can help you get there and simply ask for guidance ask for advice ask for whatever and that creates a connection that you can then level up to the next mm-hmm. thing so people think it takes a mm-hmm. lot of guts to do just that mm-hmm. but you and i know it doesn't take that much guys yeah. It's not a huge thing. Just do it. And it opens up possibilities. Yeah. If if people watching this will only take that away, take that lesson away, mm-hmm. their lives will change mm-hmm. and for the better.
0: Yeah. Um, it's sort of like I noticed that like a lot like a lot of times oh, I think I was gonna say, um well a lot of times like really rich people, um, what they do is like a lot of times invest in wise when they're young cuz they don't have anything to lose they invest this large sum of money into um businesses that are worth it and that's really a lot of times and they like so sort of a lot of times risk their whole career to chase after their dreams whether it's starting a business becoming an athlete musician comedian and they just like go after it and that's really what can make you great
1: you're breaking
0: up. You're breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry.
1: You're breaking, you're breaking up. That's all right.
0: Can, do you hear what I said, though?
1: Uh, I heard about rich people investing when they're young.
0: Yeah. So basically, what I said is um, how a lot of times the really um that sort of taking risks is how the really rich people became rich invest in large sum of money when they're young into good businesses, people taking risks, to start businesses, like, um, become an athlete, musician, or a comedian?
1: Yes, well, uh, you know, the chances of becoming rich mm-hmm. by becoming a comedian, mm-hmm. uh, are not that high, uh-huh. uh, you know, the, the vast majority is many, you know, there's a million comedians yeah. these days as opposed to when I was starting out, where there was not a million. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only people, when I was starting out, uh, the only people who were comedians were people mm-hmm. who could not, not be comedians. Mm-hmm. It, it was something they had to do. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, a lot of people look at it as a, a, a viable career choice, mm-hmm. um, which may or may not be true. But, yeah, back in uh, when I was starting, the only people that were doing it were people who were equally nuts and mm-hmm. uh, equally crazy and just had to do it. It was then. So uh, if, if, if the goal is becoming rich, let me let me add some possibly uh, parental mm-hmm. uh, excuse me yeah. uh, parental uh, guidance in that. If 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 you can combine a number of things, if I don't know if you've learned Venn diagrams in math
0: I, yet. I, I recognize think. the word.
1: Yes. Well, if you take the set of all the things mm-hmm. that you love doing. in your case in your case comedy Mm -hmm. right yeah you take this all the things that you love doing Mm -hmm. and then that set that set intersects Mm -hmm. with all the things that you're really good at Mm -hmm. okay now you're talking about a narrower set the things you love doing and that you're really good at Mm -hmm. and then the things that you can make a living doing Mm -hmm. and now you're down to a little tiny Mm -hmm. area Things that you love doing that you would do for nothing and that you're really good at doing and that you can make money doing. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's a really interesting target. Mm-hmm, yeah. And if you can focus on that target, anybody, whether it's comedy or medicine or law or mm-hmm. writing or whatever it is uh, that happens to be, uh, that's the target to, mm-hmm, to yeah. aim at in order to be... My definition of success, yeah. which is getting up in the morning and looking forward to what you have to do that day yeah. and be able to make a living doing
0: it. Yeah, I think at first, like, you should just try to get good at it, and then once you're good, you should still continue trying to get better. Then, like, once you're so pro, you, you can, like, discover ways to make money with it, whether it's writing for a television show or whatever, but first you want to get good at it because it's, number one, your passion.
1: Yes, and and there is going to be challenges and hard stuff and stuff Mm -hmm. you don't want to do, no matter what area you're focused on. But the only thing that gets you through doing Mm -hmm. all the stuff you really don't want to do Mm -hmm. is if you're aiming at something that you do want to
2: do yeah so there's you know stuff to contend with whether you're uh you're aiming at something
1: Mm -hmm. that you think you're supposed to do but you don't really like it and you don't want to or stuff that you're passionate about and you conceivably make a living doing yeah Mm
0: -hmm. so um i start off every so um you did stand-up comedy first are you getting back into stand-up comedy
1: Am I getting back into it
0: yeah.
1: now? Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. Before COVID, I went back to the cello uh, in New York mm-hmm. to do some shows. And Thank you for asking, yeah. by the way. Um, I'm getting back into it, not in any kind of a, of a uh, professional mm-hmm. way, but I'm going back to my roots because uh, I love doing it. Yeah. I just love it. And it's it's fun Mm-hmm. And in at this later stage in my life, uh, I don't want to tell you how old I am, <laughs> but I'm, uh, I'm at the stage where I'm starting to do more things just because they're fun. Yeah. I don't care about their impact professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not doing it for any reason other than i really like to do them. Yeah. So, stand up. And then also, I, I've got a, a, a very different point of view now as a stand-up. And as you and I have discussed uh, in our text exchanges, yeah. uh, point of view is crucial. Uh, and having a unique point of view as mm-hmm. a comic uh, is absolutely essential. And all the yeah. great ones, all the great ones, you can... Crystallize their point of mm-hmm. view in three words, mm-hmm. usually. Because if you don't have that unique point of view, mm-hmm. then the question is, why should you be on stage instead mm-hmm. of the billion other people yeah. who could be that stage time? Mm-hmm. So, so finally, at this late age, I've uh, I've developed uh, a unique point of view as a writer. Uh, I've I've been able to be much more prolific um, than I've been able to be as a stand-up comic and the, the unique point of view, while I've been able to help others many others, uh, crystallize their stand-up point of view or uh, adapting their stand-up for sitcom uh, I've been able to help many many others from the famous mm-hmm. uh, you know, people like Richard Pryor yeah. and uh, Polarizer and Ray Romano and Bill Maher and uh, people that I've, I've helped uh, take what was unique about them and help them uh, put it into action in, in a television program, in, in a scripted yeah. format. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but as a, as a stand-up, that was always elusive to me, mm-hmm. myself.
0: Yeah. But now not. Now I got it. So on um, that... But now I got it. Yeah. So back to the point. Um, you um, you y- you were the founder of the comedy cellar. So, um, what was the worst hecklers ever at the comedy cellar?
1: The worst hecklers?
0: Yeah. Let me tell you how I handle heckling, mm-hmm. Dustin. Um, when I started, and for the first couple of years of being a comic, I. Uh, took the typical comedian's approach to heckling, which is that my job became uh, beating the
1: heckler. Right? Mm -hmm. So somebody yells something nasty, and then it's my job to now be funnier than he is, and to prove that if you heckle me, you're going to get it worse, right, in return. Mm -hmm. Well, I did that for, like, a couple of years, until I said to myself, there's got to be a better way, something more something more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I started doing was, if somebody heckled me, rather than coming back with something me, mm-hmm. I would go with it, sort of a judo move. I would say, oh, sir, you must have had a very hard day mm-hmm. to come out in public. And to say such nasty things in front of your girlfriend, I'm assuming, in front of your wife, in front of all of these people, to say, now look, Mm -hmm. I have been heckled many, many times with much worse things than what you have just said. Mm -hmm. So allow me, I'm sure this is your first time, allow me to show you how it's done. Okay. And I I would leave the stage and I would go sit on his lap (laughs) and I would yell. Horrible things at the now empty stage. Horrible things about my parentage, about this, about terrible, horrible things. And then I'd run back up to the stage and go, oh, sir, I've never been spoken to like this.
0: So, about the comedy seller, um yes. what motivated you to make the comedy seller?
1: But I started clowning around a little bit too much for my parents' taste. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started, you know, on in, uh, in 165th Street and Broadway in Manhattan, which is a not a good neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of apartment with, you know, roaches that when you, oh. you come in, you turn the light on, the roaches mm-hmm. run under the refrigerator. You know, that yeah. kind of place. And then we became lower middle class and middle class. And now I live in Bel Air. So yeah, you know, things are possible. But um, so when I was 16, you know, my parents got went Mm -hmm. through World War Two and you know, had just come from a refugee camp in Austria in 1951. So it was no clowning around. But so when I was 16, I started clowning around. And my mother took me into the kitchen and all she said to me was, and I won't do it in the Jewish accent, I'll do it, you know, without the Jewish unless you want to hear the Jewish I won't accent. I wanna hear the though.
0: Jewish accent.
1: You wanna hear it? Alright. Okay. She said she and I'll do it in Yiddish too, and then I'll 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 do the translation. Okay. She brought me into the kitchen and she said, oh. which is Yiddish for don't wait for the inheritance. Okay. She said, we don't have any money to leave you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We don't have any connections in this country. Anything that you make in life, you will make because you made it yourself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that you know this information, make any decisions you want. And she left. And I'm still shaking from that conversation.
2: Mm-hmm
1: because what that told me was hey buddy you're on your own mm-hmm. you want to clown around and, and ignore the opportunities that, uh, that you have go mm-hmm. ahead I'm not gonna stop you I'm not gonna get into a fight I'm not gonna say what's the matter with you and why did you no this is on you
2: mm-hmm. so everything that came after that whether it was high school college what I did after college Um, that all came from
1: pure first-generation American desperation. There was Mm -hmm. no alternative but to succeed. Yeah. No net. No net. So, in in starting the Comedy Cellar, Comedy Cellar was actually my third comedy club. Whoa. Uh, Yeah, the first one when I was living in Boston. I started one in the back of the Springfield Street Saloon.
0: Is that the Um, comedy studio? no it was it it started out as the springfield street saloon and uh, it later became the ding-ho um when
1: i left it i left it because Mm -hmm. it was uh it was kind of working but i wanted Mm -hmm. to move to new york and uh i was doing okay in boston i had a radio show in boston Uh, i was doing the college circuit as uh, i did a one-man show uh, called is there life after college (laughs) and it was booked on all these colleges. I did three hundred colleges wow. in about uh, five years. And uh, and that's that's another indication mm-hmm. of what I did because as as Bill Grundfest stand up comedian mm-hmm.
0: People didn't, well, 95% of people didn't believe in you.
1: Absolutely. They all told me I was crazy. Plus, they also said, you're going to start a comedy club in Greenwich Village? And this is the, mm-hmm. this is the one I love, because you'll mm-hmm. always hear this whenever you start something new. You always hear this. If doing that was such a good idea, wouldn't somebody else have done it already? Mm-hmm. And I heard that so much my whole life. The answer to the question is no. Somebody's got to be the first one to mm-hmm. do it, and it's me. Yeah. So if all if the only argument somebody has against what you want to do, if the only argument they have is, well, wouldn't somebody else have done it? Then you know you've got a terrific idea, mm-hmm. because yeah. otherwise they throw some of the other nonsense at you.
0: Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, like the comedy seller, that's like one of the. That's, I think, the largest comedy club in all of New York.
1: Well, it's it's certainly the the most, in my mind, successful. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, is it the largest one?
0: No, I mean, uh, like, um, successful-wise is what I meant. Yes,
1: yes, I will admit, on behalf of mm-hmm. everyone involved with Comedy Cellar, yeah. that uh, we're the best comedy club in the country, possibly mm-hmm. the world.
0: Do you still own the Comedy Cellar? No.
1: Now, I have a tiny, tiny tiny if you took a tiny piece of what is the comedy seller business and then took a tiny tiny piece of that, mm-hmm. then I'm involved. So you have a okay,
0: share that, of the company.
1: Well, let's not talk business you and me Justin, <laughs> okay. let's let's talk
0: art. So um what so is that how you got started into comedy the comedy seller? No. I've been doing comedy since I'm five years old. Whoa. I have no sense that what I have done for a living my entire adult career, uh, which is now 45 years in this business, um, I have no perception that it's any different from what I was doing at five and six Mm -hmm. and throughout my schooling and throughout high school. Um, when I was little, my job in the family was to elevate everybody's mood. Mm-hmm. My job in the family was to make people happier than mm-hmm. they were, and I just was lucky in turning that into a hobby and then a mm-hmm. profession. yeah that's so cool, like. It's sort of crazy how some people started doing what they love at such a young age.
1: Yes. Now, of course, I lied to my Mm -hmm. parents many times Mm -hmm. and told them that I was, that after college, I was going to go do something like get a doctorate in psychology. That was, that was the, uh, the line that I was telling everyone, uh, or perhaps go to law school. Uh, this was all a big pack of lies and I had no intent. Um I always had an intent of being in show business. And it mattered less to me what function in show business than it was show business. And yeah it was a show.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Um so so how did you win a Golden Globe Award?
1: You know, Dustin when you've got talent um well it, you know it was for Matt about you okay and uh you know that show was uh very much uh me mm-hmm. uh, and very much Paul Reiser. and you know my my guts are visible in in all of those episodes, mm-hmm. so, but I will say that when I started on that show, that was not the first TV show that I was hired on. I, I got to California, and, and in a very Dustin kind of way, if mm-hmm. I may, Okay. Uh, what I used to do was, I came to California after I left the Comedy yeah. Cellar. Um, I came to California with one goal, which was to become a television writer-producer mm-hmm. of sitcoms and I had uh, three scripts in my bag uh, printed copied in envelopes and I used to go to any event where I could meet showbiz people and I would chat them up in the way that you do Justin. Yeah. I would engage them in conversation and they would feel compelled to say oh well what do you do And I'd say, oh, I'm a writer. And they would feel, often, compelled to say, oh, I'd love to read your stuff sometime. Mm -hmm. They didn't lean it, they just say it. I'd love to read your stuff sometime, because it's Hollywood, people say that. And so what I would do is I would reach into my bag and I would hand them an envelope with my scripts. And they would be shocked because Mm -hmm. nobody does
0: that. Yeah.
1: No, no, when I say I'd love to read your stuff sometime, that doesn't mean I'd actually like to read your stuff sometime. So, but I would give out my stuff, and a certain number of people read this stuff, and a couple of them called me as a result. One of them called me and said, oh, uh, I have a deal at this studio, and this pilot that you wrote is really funny. This is really good. Would you come in and talk to us about it? And... Uh, long story short, that started my career
0: So, um, did you write the pilot for Mad About You?
1: No, I was uh, That was Paul and uh, Danny Jacobson Who was my first boss on Mad About You And uh, they wrote it My contribution to the actual pilot was uh, Kind of sitting at Paul's elbow And saying, relax, breathe, relax mm-hmm. This is happening as it should happen, because Paul's voice, his comedic voice, was very particular, and getting beginning, Danny coming from, you know, a different different show, you know, Danny was a very successful uh, sitcom writer, um, and, and that was very clear, but it just took a little while for him to get Paul's voice. But I would say my main my main contribution was uh, being with Paul and uh, and saying, look, this guy's a great writer. He's going to get your voice. I already yeah. have your voice. Give him four seconds. Just give him a minute. And he willed. And sure enough, and I, and I said, this is what's going to happen. The pendulum for the script will go back and forth and it'll end up exactly where it needs to be. And okay. it did.
0: That's so cool. Like... I it's just so cool to imagine like that you were like at a um at a Golden Globe award ceremony. Oh. ceremony.
1: Well, yes. Well, you know, the thing about the awards shows because I've I've been uh-huh. nominated and yeah. I've won and I've also written many Academy Award shows yeah. and Emmy Award shows and Grammys. So I've been on both sides of that of that stage. Um the thing about uh being nominated for an award is that when you come into the building you are a nominee that's great but then somebody wins and it's not you so you leave the building a big loser Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how Hollywood works you're up you're down you're Mm -hmm. up you're down you can't take any of it personally none of it is personal
0: Exactly, so, um, what was it, so, speaking of how, um, the Golden Globe Awards, you also vote for the Emmys, what was it like writing for the Emmys?
1: I love writing, uh, award shows, because the way I approach it, I always like to know who is it that I'm writing for, mm-hmm. what star, because I take each star as being a character, mm-hmm. and being... Uh, as having their own persona, their own character, their own way of speaking. Um, and so I try to write to that. I don't write in in ether. I don't write stuff and then, oh, we'll give it to Arnold Schwarzenegger to do. No, 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 no. You tell me who I'm writing for and when in the show they are appearing. Because if I know what happens right before they come out or, you know, the previous 15 minutes. If I know what's been going on, the context of when this particular character is coming out and then what this character needs to do, right, because every character has to want something. So that's what I write for. Uh, So I love writing award shows because Mm -hmm. it lets me write for 20 different stars and their oh. own unique personas. Um, and it's it's a great fun to see somebody who never got a laugh. You know, some dramatic actor who never got yeah. a laugh. And you give them material that they go out with, and they get a laugh.
0: So you sort of, like, you sort of, like, um, but sort of create a whole persona for them? Like, based no, off I of them?
1: Used, no, I use their persona because mm-hmm. every star comes on stage with a persona yeah. with a, uh, something the audience already has hooked into, and then you leverage that. You play with that, or you play against that.
0: Oh, that's what I meant by that. Like, um, sort of exaggerate who they are as a person.
1: Um, not so much exaggerate, but use, use mm-hmm. that, or use, or, or go against it. Okay. You know, which in and of itself creates a, uh, creates comedy. Okay. You know, if, Think of somebody as being very brave, mm-hmm. and you get what you write for them is not, mm-hmm. you know. Then that's inherently commi- or the other yeah. way we think of somebody as being, you know, a nebishy kind of guy, and you write something that's very his- heroic. Mm-hmm. for them. Well, that's already you're on good yeah. ground.
0: Yeah. So, um, so you spend, um, you wrote so for everyone a love oh, kiss. Whoa. Anyway, here,
1: there it is. That's amazing.
0: It's very, it's very
1: heavy. Yeah. It's very heavy, how much is good to provide.
0: How much do you think it weighs?
1: Oh, that's, that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be 10 pounds.
0: Nice. So, um, you, so for everyone, a lot of times, kids my age or young people listen to my podcast, they probably don't know who Richard Pryor was. Well... He was no argument the best stand-up comedian to ever live. And Bill spent a tremendous amount of time working with Richard Pryor. So I was wondering, what was it like working with Richard Pryor?
1: It's such a great question, Dustin. When I, uh, did the last, the final two projects of Richard's life, and by the way, you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right, and and every comic will tell you, uh, if you want to know who the greatest ever was, every comic worth their salt will tell you Richard. Mm -hmm. And then, after Richard, then we can argue about who's number two and who's number three and who's the top ten. We can all argue about it, but Richard, what Richard did, Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of his ability to take pain, Mm -hmm. real, human, dark pain, Mm-hmm. and turn it into something that people could laugh about yeah. mm-hmm. while at the same time feeling the pain that he mm-hmm. was sharing. Yeah. Well, nobody's ever done it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really quite amazing. So to answer your question, it was a great honor, first of all. Yeah. Um, he was not, in that moment, capable of really working together. Mm -hmm. His his, his illness uh, had had really trapped him inside his own body so that it was really sad to see that a person for whom language was so central to Mm -hmm. his being not able to express Mm -hmm. himself and his language but fortunately i had all of his recorded albums to work from so
0: bit choked up. So, um, so, like, um, I hear that, um, like, Richard Pryor, even when he went through his illness, he could still write really well. That was
1: before I came into his life. Uh
0: That is just, it's sort of, like, did you, um, so you wrote a lot of jokes for him at the end of his, of his life?
1: I, uh, did I write jokes for him? Yeah, at the end of his life. No, no, because he didn't have any, any place to do jokes. Uh-huh. And, and he didn't need any help, mm-hmm. uh, in, in creating comedy. Okay. You know, okay. Mooney, well, Mooney was uh, you know mm-hmm. his go-to buddy uh, mm-hmm. if he ever needed a sounding board, um, but no, Richard Pryor didn't need any help from me to write Richard Pryor mm-hmm. material. Uh, my value was in turning his stand-up into
0: film, yeah. you know,
1: into a narrative. Yeah. So that we deconstructed, we took a I took apart. Like a diamond cutter, you know? Your mm-hmm. Diamond cutters are very nervous people because you've got this really precious stone in front of you and you have to hit it just right in order not to ruin the whole diamond. And I was... I would sit there listening to his material with the goal of turning it into a story that yeah. could be filmed, which means we had to create characters. We didn't to create them. I had to to to, uh, to crystallize them yeah. from his stand-up and pay honor, be truthful to to his intent in the stand up. Mm-hmm. And we pulled it off. Eddie Griffin played the Richard part and he was terrific. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they were Showtime uh, showed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we pulled it off. And then we did another one that was uh, had a, a, a much more adult title than I'm I, uh, willing to share with you uh, for Comedy Central. And it was uh, interviews with everybody from Jon Stewart, Whoopi Goldberg, Colin Quinn, George Lopez, Moe's Death, and just quick little snippet soundbites that illuminated Richard and his career and his stand-up and then yeah. we would use snippets of Richard's stand up mm-hmm. to nest it inside these these sound bites of interviews.
0: That's just so amazing. Like it's just so this whole like that whole thing is just so amazing.
1: Well, you know, it's one of my secret superpowers, whether mm-hmm. it's uh, whether it's Paul Reiser, who has a, a comedy tone that's very different from Richard Pryor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I've done this with performers and comedians who have a very very different tone, very different personas because you got Paul Reiser, Mm -hmm. you got Ray Romano, you got Richard Pryor, you got Michelle Paradise who um, did a short film that I turned into a series for Viacom, um, and and several other people, I just did one with Eugene Koza, who's a very hot South African comedian for Trevor Noah's uh, operation, and to me, my ability to do that is the same no matter what uh, the stand-up is bringing to it. I, I have this, if I have a superpower, it's that ability. To turn something that is stand up and turn it into narrative, turn it into a sitcom or a Mm -hmm. film or something like that. That's, of the things I do, that's the thing I've been. That's how I bought the house in Bel Air.
0: Yeah, uh, it's so. It's crazy, like. It's just so crazy, like how I'm talking to someone so successful. So. (laughs) Tell my wife. (laughs) So, um. So um, what else was I gonna ask you? So you coached Ray, John Stewart, and Ray Romano, and many other successful people. So what's it like seeing how successful they are now? It's 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 so
1: gratifying. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like being a parent, uh, seeing your kid do well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the fact that we, that I've remained friends with all of them except one. Um,
0: Don't want to share the name? No. Yeah, the comedy was okay. small business.
1: Small business, I, I, yeah. Um, but I, that I'm friends with all of them still, and that they've all done uh, you know better than me, mm-hmm. uh, is... Very gratifying, because when you you're not in a position where you're looking back on anything. Um, when you do look back on something, it's it's so rewarding to feel like that what you did helped other people, and they in turn helped other people. Yeah, those people helped other people. You know. If, you can, if all you do in this life is not make the world worse mm-hmm. than when you showed up, you're already a winner. You're yeah. already a hero. If you can make the world actually a little bit, just a little bit better mm-hmm. because of what you've done,
2: yeah.
1: well, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. And if everybody yeah. just did that, mm-hmm. all the world's problems would solve quicker
0: yeah yeah exactly that's the nail on the head um it's sort of like yeah um so um oh i forgot what i was gonna say so um um what i heard that um the comedy seller had quite a transformation can you tell me about that
1: well you'll have to be more specific dustin if i can answer your question with a question okay
0: so um i heard that it used to be like an old basement is what i meant by that oh
1: well when i found it yeah when i found Mm -hmm. it it was it it, wasn't it's still a basement Mm -hmm. you know the original room is exactly where it was when i created it um we now have additional rooms right around the corner uh one that is significantly bigger than the original room, and one that is smaller than the original room. So there's three rooms right around the corner from each other in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. in in Greenwich Village. And now we have a a location in Las Vegas at the Rio, which uh, I think you might be a little too young to uh, to get into uh, in Mm -hmm. the Vegas room. Yeah, I think
0: I'll have my ways.
1: Because I'm sure that you do. <laughs> if, if you have demonstrated anything in this event, it is that you, Dustin, have your ways. <laughs> and, yeah. and to circle back to what I was saying in the in the beginning, success at anything, whether it's comedy, writing, business, law, anything, <laughs> comes down to having your ways. And the emphasis in that is your having. Your ways ways that are specific to you and that leverage your specific strengths your specific interests because mm-hmm. it's not enough just to be passionate about something if you're passionate about something that's interesting but that's a hobby yeah if you're passionate about something and you're better at it than other people mm-hmm. well that's possibly a career yeah and if you can figure out a way to monetize that and make money doing it well, that's a good career yeah so yes you have you have your ways so um when i started the cellar it was a brazilian piano bar
2: way for you to lose yeah and, and he pretended that he understood what i
1: was talking about and mm-hmm. i pretended i understood what i was talking mm-hmm. about and we shook hands and that's how the whole thing started we started thursday friday saturday eight mm-hmm. o'clock eight to ten and also i said plus it'll be a live room there'll be people in it so that when your people come for the brazilian piano bar it'll already be a live room and that'll be good
0: Well wow, that's just like it's so cool how like the transformation of things like sort of like turning this rusty car into this like just magnificent car.
1: well I, I have to say that when i first walked into that room i saw the whole future in that moment because mm-hmm. i walked in and it was the perfect comedy room it's the perfect greenwich village comedy room and if you wrote it if I wrote it in a script, people would say, you know, it might be a little too on the nose. It might be a little too, too perfect. Mm-hmm. But you walk in, low ceilings, exposed mm-hmm. brick walls, wooden paneling, stained glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the perfect room. I mm-hmm. walked in and I said, boy, the laughs in this room are going to bounce off the walls and the mm-hmm. ceilings. It'll yeah. be great. And, and that's what happened.
0: Yeah, I saw, I think, isn't that, doesn't the comedy... Cellar take place, or either the Gotham Comedy Club and um, Jerry Sein- in one of Jerry Seinfeld's documentaries.
1: I'm sorry, we don't, we don't uh, discuss any other comedy clubs as if they exist. <laughs> we don't do that. Um, yeah, it was in, you know, the Cellar has been uh-huh. uh, in, in many, it's been the home location yeah. for many projects. Uh yes, the, the uh the documentary Whoa. that you mentioned just now. But also uh Louie and uh and Crashing. Whoa. Uh you know, we've we've been very welcoming to uh, productions that wanna shoot there.
0: That's amazing. So um my podcast can't um it's fifty minutes through and it can only run until like an hour, so thank you so much for coming on and I remember I was gonna say earlier about how most people in life like they don't well I don't mean to be rude or anything but a lot of people probably not most people but a lot of there's a good some people they don't like try to leave a positive mark on the world and I feel like it's just sort of your job to do so like you I feel like each person has a reason to be on earth and that reason should be positive positive.
1: I completely agree with you, and if I can give you the one secret to the mm-hmm. success of the comedy seller, it's radical kindness
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that was always my business model mm-hmm. because I knew uh that as a comic at the uptown clubs, I was getting treated with you know no respect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and as if the club was doing me a favor by letting me get stage time, mm-hmm. but at the Comedy Cellar, from the beginning, it was about affection because I love these guys I, and these women, and I love the art form. And I was, we were, we were as kind and as supportive as we could be to the to the performers and to the audience and to the staff. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, I think your chances of success go up. And especially in a city like New York, where nobody ever experiences Mm -hmm. kindness, um, it immediately makes you different, which goes full full circle to point of view. If you're a stand-up comic, when you're competing against so many others, you need a unique point of view. And as a business, our unique point of view was and still is radical kindness, give people value give mm-hmm. people more than they're paying for yeah and you'll last for 40 years it's been 40 uh gee whiz it's been uh 40 yeah 40 years now The well
0: wow, that's incredible so before we go um is would you like to mention anything to promote your businesses or your social media uh, I'm actually launching a course uh, oh. where
1: I help, I help people uh, write uh, their pilots. Oh, cool. uh, and if anybody wants to get a hold of me, just contact Dustin, and uh, he'll give you my email.
0: Okay. So, um, thank you so much for coming on, and goodbye, and have a fantastic day. It was an honor to have you on, sir.
1: It was an honor to speak with you, sir, and I am sure that anything that you do in this world is going to succeed because you're already doing it.
2: Thank you. So good for you.
0: That means a lot.